From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is the KCYX News for Tuesday, January 26th. I'm Sarah Wright. The Board of Supervisors took a significant step in rejiggering the cannabis codes yesterday, voting 4-1 to one to send a proposal more closely aligned with the state's land use laws along to the Planning Commission. The board also voted unanimously to direct the Department of Transportation to continue working on a pilot program to create a benefit zone in Brook Trails, allowing the neighborhood to figure out how to collect a tax to maintain properties for fire safety. And last week, the superintendent of the Fort Bragg Unified School District gave a report to the Board of Trustees telling them it's not feasible for schools in Mendocino County to reopen at this time due to the high rate of positive COVID tests. Mendocino has descended from the purple tier to the newly created deep purple tier for counties with more than 14 positive test results per day per 100,000 residents. The County Board of Supervisors, which is meeting again today, held a special meeting yesterday afternoon to hash out the proposed Cannabis Code Amendments, a document which will come before the Planning Commission, then return to the supervisors, then undergo a first and second reading before it replaces much of the original ordinance. Chief Planner Julia Krog ran through the general idea of the draft proposal before the public weighed in for approximately two hours. The agenda item also generated more than a hundred written comments by individuals and organizations from across the spectrum of love and loathing for the plant. So the goal of this discretionary permit model is to really bring us into conformance with state regulations and align our processing, our definitions, the way that we look at cannabis in this county to be more in line with the state. The reason it's important to be more closely aligned with the state is that most local farmers can't meet the state's environmental requirements, which means that by the end of the year, they will not have state licenses and will therefore be unable to grow legally. The discretionary permit means that each site will be subject to environmental review, thus sparing the county the trouble and expense of generating an environmental impact report for the entire project of a cannabis ordinance, which is what happened the first time around. One of the highlights of the new proposal is that growers who applied during Phase 1 but were never able to make it through will be allowed to reapply under Phase 3, unless they're in sunset or opt-out zones. There are about 1,100 of these applicants, though some of them seem to have dropped off the map, not responding to attempts by county staff to make contact. The board also gave direction that cannabis farms should not be allowed to use generators or truck-in water except in cases of emergency. This was in keeping with the Mendocino County Climate Action Advisory Committee's concerns. That body also urged the board to give the nod only to cannabis cultivation in areas that are already developed, including agland, as long as it doesn't degrade other forms of agricultural production. The board also included direction about preserving native soils and keeping the size of hoop houses under 10,000 square feet. The lingering question of whether or not grows should be allowed on rangeland did come up, but this was shunted to the Planning Commission to sort out in the conditions for the use permit. Krog pointed out that the review process for each permit, which does allow for some flexibility, is also supremely detailed, involving an analysis based on consultations with state maps of prime farmland and soils. An appendix attached to the agenda states that parcels in ag or rangeland zoning districts larger than 10 acres may cultivate up to 10% of the parcel area. This was the sticking point for Supervisor John Haschak, who voted against the proposal. The motion, which passed with his lone dissent, includes a request to the Planning Commission to return its report and recommendations to the Board of Supervisors within 40 days. Another thing that is unlikely to see any movement until March is school reopenings, according to Fort Bragg Unified School District Superintendent Rebecca Walker. Counties can't even consider reopening schools until community-wide positive COVID test results drop to 25 a day per 100,000 residents. And then, Walker calculates that the required weekly COVID testing would cost the school district $110,000 a week, far more than the grants the state is offering to incentivize reopening.
is this how we should be spending our money? And I know that families are going to be saying, well, if it keeps our, our kids and teachers safe, absolutely. Okay, I will agree with you. I just don't know how we're going to afford that. $110,000 a week in 10 weeks, we're well over a million dollars. And that does not include the staffing to do it. Schools can only reopen to in-person instruction for students in grades 7 to 12 if positive COVID tests drop to 7 per day. As of yesterday, the seven-day average was 23.57 for a population of a little under 90,000. Walker's not sure her district would be able to satisfy the COVID testing requirements, even if testing capacity were available. I don't see how we can require it, to be very honest with you. Um, I can see a lot of parents saying, you're not going to know swab my kid. So for right now, if someone asks me, hey, Becky, do you think we're going to open? Well, we can't even discuss opening until we get to 25. And at 25, based on what happens in our legislature, we're going to have to figure out if we're going to pull, be able to pull this off. I can tell you right now, I don't see how Fort Bragg Unified is going to be able to pull off that level of testing. 2,000 tests a week, I, I don't think we can do it. Let me just go back to the data of our employee group. We have 32 people scheduled for COVID testing every week. The best we've done is 22. So will we get all 2,000s? Heavens no. I, I just don't see it happening. The vaccines are a bright spot. 300 teachers and staff from schools and preschools all along the coast got their first vaccines on the 15th of this month and are scheduled to get their second shots on February 12th, well before reopening would be possible. Walker described the vaccine clinic in the high school gymnasium like it was the gala event of the year. It was like 10 months of pent up. I don't get to see anybody in person. And now I get to see the whole town. Um, it, it, it was amazing. It was just so much fun. And the who's behind the mask game? I won. Just saying. So it, it, it was just a joyous, joyous day. It truly filled my well. Um, I want to thank everybody who participated and helped. For KZYX News, I'm Sarah Wright. For all our local news with photos and more, visit kzyx.org. You can also subscribe to the KZYX News Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.